and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show, and my goodness, I bet you all know what we're going to talk about. It has become a national news sensation over the weekend, and I happen to be in the epicenter of it. David Perdue has announced he will run for governor and challenge the incumbent Brian Kemp in Georgia. Uh, Stacey Abrams essentially baited him into doing this. The Democrats knew exactly what they were doing. That's one of the most remarkable bits of this. I don't want to dwell nationally with this in the ways I would on just uh, WSB in Atlanta. I actually did some special recording for them on this issue, but all of you need to know because this is a major national story. Donald Trump's team has convinced former Senator David Perdue to challenge the incumbent Republican governor of Georgia in a Republican primary. Poor old Vernon Jones. Uh, Vernon Snuggles Jones was a Democrat turned Republican. Uh, for went overnight from pro-abortion to pro-life and beclowned himself announcing he was going to run against Brian Gimp, showed up at several Trump events and got head patted by Donald Trump. And now Trump is coming out with David Perdue after Vernon spent all that money littering the state of Georgia with his yard signs down the interstate. There is a small group of... Republicans who feel aggrieved about Brian Kemp because they're not really Republicans. They're Trump supporters. Donald Trump lost. And of course he can never take the blame, nor can anyone blame him. So others must be blamed. So they will blame Brian Kemp, the governor of the state of Georgia for Donald Trump's loss in Georgia, where 11,400 people more voted for Biden over him, and then another 33,000 people refused to vote at all in that election. This summer in Georgia, they had their annual Republican convention. David Perdue introduced Brian Kemp at the Republican convention and sang his praises. A month ago, Reporters asked David Perdue about challenging Brian Kemp, the rumor he was going to run against Brian Kemp, and he said, Georgia already has a governor and I support him. Quote, didn't make that up. That's from David Perdue a month ago. Today, he's announcing he's running for governor and he's released a video that blames Brian Kemp for the loss of two Senate seats in Georgia. Now, last I checked... David Perdue was one of those senators who lost, and apparently it wasn't his fault, it was Brian Kemp's fault. Now, for perspective here on what we're dealing with, David Perdue ran against John Ossoff, the most spectacularly unaccomplished millennial Democrat to ever run for office in the United States, more unaccomplished than Beto O'Rourke. Dude likes to dress up in Star Wars costumes. David Perdue not only wouldn't debate John Ossoff on a stage, but lost to John Ossoff. And now thinks he will have a better time against Stacey Abrams than the man who's already beaten her once. 
David Perdue could not beat John Ossoff and thinks he can beat Stacey Abrams, who's a far more accomplished and competent politician than John Ossoff. Good luck with that reasoning. But, you know, you're arguing with the logic of the insane asylum. You're arguing with the logic of Mar-a-Lago. In the alternative reality that is Mar-a-Lago, good candidates are bad and bad candidates are good. Now, I say this as someone who likes David Perdue. He's a good, fine man. His wife's a wonderful person. I wish he were still in the U.S. Senate, but he has no business running against Brian Kemp. And the way he's running, if you listen to him, is he is running as a tool of Donald Trump's vendetta. He's not running as his own man, and that's also the problem. Why are you running in his announcement video? Why are you running? Because Brian Kemp lost us two Senate seats. No accepting his own responsibility for his own loss. It's all Brian Kemp. By the way, his loss was in a runoff where 427,205 Republicans refused to show up because, among other things, David Perdue's man, Donald Trump, and the chairman of the state party of Georgia, David Schaefer, and people like Marjorie Taylor Greene were telling them all it's going to be lost. It's going to be lost. They're going to steal it. That wasn't Brian Kemp. Brian Kemp was around the state telling everybody, hey, um, it's it's things are good. Things are good. We're, we're, we're Donald Trump didn't have the election stolen. Uh, and, you know, there are people circulating all sorts of crazy rumors. Like I just got an email from listener Greg. Can you address the meeting and the allegations of a payment between Brian Kemp, Brad Raffensperger, and Stacey Abrams during the 2020 election runoff. I'm a fan of Kemp, but others bring up this alleged meeting and payment, and I don't know how to respond. You respond by telling them they're crazy. You're, you're asked to prove something in the negative, something that didn't happen. Apparently, the rumor is Brian Kemp was throwing money at Stacey Abrams. Oh, my gosh. Listen, there are crazy people who believe crazy things. And just because they believe crazy things doesn't mean you have to entertain them. This is one of the things we're learning after 2020. On both sides of the aisle, Democrats and Republicans believe a lot of lies, things that are not true, and are so committed to believing the lie when you tell them it's not true, they think you're in on it. There's nothing you can do with people who are in a cult like this. They need to be deprogrammed. And this is unfortunately where we are nationwide. Donald Trump is not interested in Republicans taking back Congress or beating back Democrats. He's interested in nursing grudges. The question Republicans are going to need to ask themselves moving forward are, do you want to win or do you want to use yourself as a tool to avenge Donald Trump? Because if you wish to avenge Donald Trump by taking out all the reasonable Republicans who have won and beaten Democrats, you risk losing everything to settle scores. Is that what you want to do? For some, yes, that's exactly what they want to do. They're not Republican. And this is something Republicans have to understand and appreciate. There are a lot of people who are Trump voters who were never involved in politics before Donald Trump. And when he goes away, they will go away too. And you've got to find a way to build bridges in ways that can keep as many of them as possible 
without also setting yourself on fire with everyone else. Glenn Youngkin in Virginia was one of the candidates who was able to do that. He found issues that resonated. Education being a big one, crime being a big one. And a lot of Republicans are going to have those issues on which to run. David Perdue, in his announcement, unfortunately, wants to run as Donald Trump's avenging angel. For those of you who don't live in Georgia, let me just put this all in perspective for you. Brian Kemp reopened Georgia during the COVID lockdowns sooner than anyone, including Donald Trump, wanted. And Brian Kemp said, it's it's not an all or nothing situation. You've got to balance the healthcare concerns from COVID with the economic concerns of everyday Georgians. And he thought he was doing a good job by building up supplies at hospitals and then reopening the states and letting the state manage the flow of infrastructure and supplies to hospitals so that no hospital came up short. Not a single person in Georgia, as a result, went without hospital care who needed it, even as the state opened back up. And in fact, until the George Floyd riots, COVID stayed down. And then the Memorial Day boaters and the George Floyd rioters in in Georgia started spreading COVID again, and we got a summer high. That's the reality of the situation. But Kemp did his job well. He got the state economy going again. Of the top 10 states in the nation, population-wise, Georgia still has the lowest unemployment. Kemp's been a good governor, objectively so. When you ask people, what he's done wrong, well, you'll get some of the gun rights supporters saying, well, he hasn't gotten the legislature to pass constitutional carry. I would love constitutional carry as well. And I wish Governor Kemp would push constitutional carry. That is, you should not have to have a state concealed carry permit to carry your gun. The problem is that Brian Kemp is not a king. He's a governor. And the legislature has to pass it. And all these people who are complaining about Brian Kemp haven't done a very good job of replacing the Republicans who are opposed. Kemp would sign the law, but the Speaker of the House of Representatives blocks it. So good luck with that. Republicans nationwide are going to have to figure this thing out. Do you want to nurse a former losing president's grievances, or do you want to move forward into 2022? You have the opportunity to win. You know, there's a story out today in Politico that the Democrats are hoping that the Republicans cost themselves victory. And they're pointing to Georgia and seeing what David Perdue is doing in Georgia. That if the Democrats can encourage this nationwide, they can win by having the Republicans divide and fracture themselves. This also shows you, by the way, the terrible leadership at the party level in the state of Georgia that this is happening. But it's no surprise there. They've become emotionally invested themselves in Stop the Steal. They're reaping what they sow now. But one of the other problems here, ultimately, is this. Republicans need to stand for something or at least stand against Biden for 2022. They can't stand for relitigating 2020 because however much of an irregularity there was in the election, it wasn't stolen. They haven't been able to prove it was stolen. And they can't linger on the past. They've got a map a road ahead.
and that road ahead does not run through 2020. You can't go backwards in time. Now, ultimately, there's this. The Democrats last week got Stacey Abrams to announce. It was a rather odd thing to do. It came the day after a mayoral election in Atlanta, Georgia. And Abrams stepped on the toes of the new mayor of Atlanta, overshadowed him, took him off the front pages. A lot of Democrats were grieved, and behind the scenes, the Democrats were whispering. They knew by Abrams announcing she could push David Perdue to go on out there and announce now and do it before the legislative session begins in Georgia in January so that the Republicans fight themselves and they don't do a, uh, they don't have a unified legislative session. In other words, Stacey Abrams baited David Perdue and the Trump supporters and they took the bait. If she can play them like this in December of 2021, imagine what she could do to them in November of 2022. We're talking about a candidate who could not beat a guy who dresses up in Star Wars costumes and he thinks he can beat Stacey Abrams. Good luck with that. It's the holidays. You deserve a gift, a gift that keeps on giving you joy and comfort every day, all year long, a gift that looks as good as it feels and a gift that will actually pay for itself in terms of how much more productive you'll be at work. Let me tell you guys, just forget a script on X chair. I had one of those really expensive multi-thousand dollar desk chairs and I loved it. And I wasn't sure about the X chair. But my gosh, now I've got the X chair and I can't go back. I had to give the other chair to my wife. The X chair has a built-in massager. It's super ergonomic. I ergonomic, ergonomic. I love mine. It's got the massage chair. It can get cool. It can get warm. It can warm my back while I'm sitting in my chair. Your office chair can't do that. It's the perfect time to buy the X chair. And here's their holiday gift to you. Save $100 off your X chair just by purchasing it at xchaireric.com now. That's the letter X chair, E-R-I-C-K.com. X chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort. You can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. Go to xchaireric.com and save xchaireric.com. Hi there, it is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, should you wish to be a part of the program, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. How do Republicans now navigate the intra-party squabble? You know that this comes, and this is my real frustration here with all of this. This comes as the Democratic Party is starting to crack apart. You should probably pay attention to the squabbling on the Democratic side. The progressives and more moderate to liberal Democrats are at each other's throat over Build Back Better, over diversity, equity, and inclusion, over critical theory. They're beginning to fight each other on these issues. And the moderate liberal Democrats are furious with the progressives for alienating them from Hispanic voters, uh, young black men, and the white working class. There's so much there to exploit and support, and instead, a very vocal fringe of the Republican Party insists 
that the Republicans linger on and fester over 2020 and find candidates to serve as tools to nurse President Trump's grievances. At a moment, the Republicans could win it all. This small group has decided we got to fight on something most voters don't care about, but they care passionately about, holding the Republican Party hostage to their whims. Republicans could win it all, but they got to move forward, not backwards, to do it. And so many people, it, it, it's kind of like the, the people who don't believe we landed on the moon. Good luck convincing the American public we didn't land on the moon. Good luck convincing the American public the election was stolen. You had an opportunity to try to convince people that the election was stolen, and every time you went to court, you failed. Not only did you fail, you failed in front of judges Donald Trump himself had picked. And if you can't win in front of Donald Trump's judges, you're not going to win in the court of public opinion. But because they're so insistent on it, uh, they, they are running around trying to tell people Neil Armstrong never landed on the moon and the election was stolen. There's not a lot of difference there. You may think the election was stolen, but you have failed to convince anyone. Not only did you fail to convince anyone that it was stolen, you've actually wound up convincing people to ignore you. You haven't convinced a single Trump-appointed judge. You couldn't get it to the United States Supreme Court. And even if Georgia's election was thrown out, you still couldn't stop Joe Biden and the rest of the Electoral College. But you can't give it up. And you, you have such a sense of grievance now, such a sense of grievance that you can't let it go. For the rest of your life, you will be screaming that the election of 2020 was stolen and illegitimate in the same way that the most ardent atheists scream that there is no God and the most ardent conspiracy theorists scream that Neil Armstrong was on a Hollywood stage. The problem is the person who's convinced Neil Armstrong was on a Hollywood stage isn't trying to hijack an entire political party. At a moment, the opportunity is ripe to capitalize on the discord and divisions within the other party. It's terrible politics. Largely, I think we're just going to have to come to terms with these people. They're not going to go away, though. They'll, they'll send me hate mail. They'll get in your face. They'll show up at parties and be the turd in the punch bowl, and they'll be totally happy to do it to nurse their grievance. And it's going to cost everyone, and they'll blame you, not themselves. They'll never blame themselves. And unfortunately, David Brew, who is a fine man, I, I, I genuinely like him, but he has become the tool of this group. They don't really care about the future, nor do they care about stopping Democrats. In fact, they have convinced themselves in cult-like fashion, that the only way to stop the Democrats moving forward is to go back and relitigate 2020. But then there was Glenn Youngkin. How, how apparently they, they can only steal races when the Republicans are in charge and Donald Trump is on the ballot. They can't steal races in Virginia where Glenn Youngkin was able to sweep and Republicans took back the House of Delegates. And if they can only steal races when Donald Trump's in charge and controls the government, maybe we don't need to be nursing this grudge and trying to get him back in. Maybe some people should stop crying and either go sit on the sidelines and decompress 
or get back on the fight moving forward and stop relitigating the past. But right now, the Republicans could be dominant, and yet they're fighting themselves over nursing grievances of an election they lost and can't admit they lost. Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. If you'd like to be on the program, obviously a lot of people want to talk about uh, the situation down in Georgia. I will begin with JB. Welcome. Hi, Eric. Uh, quick question. Uh, I recently read in Molly Hemingway's book that there was a consent decree with uh, between Brian Kemp and Stacey Abrams that had kind of loosened the rules on mail-in votes and signature matches. Can you explain a little bit more on that? Oh, Lord, yes. Um, this is probably one of the m- most badly reported episodes of, of the election. Um, it was not a consent decree between Brian Kemp and Stacey Abrams. It was a consent decree between Brad Raffensperger and Fair Fight Georgia, Stacey Abrams' group. And here's what actually had happened. The Secretary of State's office was requiring information on absentee ballots that the state laws that prescribe what must be on the absentee ballots did not require. And so the consent decree was just an agreement. They were going to lose the case. And so they essentially negotiated a settlement agreeing to take off the information from the outside of the absentee ballots that state law did not say needed to be there. Uh, Somehow or another, that turned into a conspiracy theory of helping Stacey Abrams redesign the absentee ballot to her liking, when the reality was that the Secretary of State's office had been adding information uh, the state law in Georgia didn't say was supposed to be there. That's what the consent decree was. Okay. Yeah. I, I know it's supposed to be something way more sinister and beneficial to Stacey Abrams, uh, but that's actually it. Um, it. It wasn't really even a consent decree. Uh, it was an agreement to settle a, a case. The Secretary of State's office w- had lost the case before the federal judge, and so they came into an agreement on how to settle the design for the absentee ballots. That that really, uh, I, I cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye, that that is actually what actually happened. Uh, it has been conflated into some massive conspiracy theory uh, by some people on the right to say that uh, Brad Raffensperger and Brian Kemp, they, they paid money to Fair Fight Georgia. They agreed to shape a ballot based on what Stacey Abrams wanted. Uh, none of that is true, but it has been so widely reported on the right, it's become taken as fact and it's not actually true. Uh, for those of you who don't know, and JB, th- thanks for that. Uh, for, for those of you who don't know, I happen to have been a Georgia elections lawyer. Dun, dun, dun. And the election code in Georgia specifies the information that has to be on the outside of the absentee ballot. Every state you're in, you'll get an absentee ballot, and the absentee ballot makes you fill out information, sign it, uh, all all that uh, fine and good, good information. But some of the information that they included, address information, among other things, were not in the state law. And the way the Secretary of State's office had read the law was that that information in the state law had to be on the ballot, but that they could add additional information as well. 
And what was happening is they were requiring address information on the outside of the ballot that state law did not require. And if you did not fill out the address properly that matched where you lived, they were tossing the absentee ballot. And a judge said, wait a second, you can't do that. The law does not allow you to toss the ballot if the address information is wrong, let alone even put it there. So they had to agree to stop tossing those ballots. The law's the law. And they interpreted the law differently than what the judge said. So the judge allowed the Secretary of State's office to finalize the settlement with Fair Fight Georgia to stop doing that. They were going to lose the case. So you had two options. Either the judge was going to issue the order or you were going to work with Abrams Group to resolve the case, considering you've lost. That's it. And there's this national conspiracy now that somehow or another Brian Kemp and Brad Raffensperger paid money to Stacey Abrams and restructured the balloting process to benefit Fairfight Georgia. That Nothing could be further from the truth. It's, it's flat-out lie to say that's the case. And here we are relitigating it now, uh, more than a, a year and a half after it was after it was over, after it was done. That's just how badly people want to nurse grievances when there's so much else out there to be concerned with and to worry about. In fact, let, let me let me give you the lay of the land here. The Democrats have a Latino problem. I y'all listen. I've been talking about this a lot, and I've been warning the Democrats. And they don't seem to appreciate the problem. This is from Mark Caputo in Politico. As Democrats seek to reach out to Latino voters in a more gender-neutral way, they've increasingly begun using the word Latinx, a term that first began to get traction among academics and activists on the left. But that very effort could be counterproductive in courting those of Latin American descent, according to a new nationwide poll of Hispanic voters. Only 2% of those polled refer to themselves as Latinx. 68% call themselves Hispanic. 21% favored Latino or Latina to describe their ethnic background, according to the survey from a Democratic firm specializing in Latino outreach. Ben Dixon and Amandi International. More problematic for Democrats. 40% said Latinx bothers or offends them to some degree. And 30% said they would be less likely to support a politician or organization that uses the term. At a time when Republicans appear to be making inroads among Latino voters, the survey results raise questions about how effectively the Democratic Party is communicating with them. Quote, the numbers suggest that using Latinx is a violation of the political Hippocratic Oath, which is to first do no electoral harm, says Amandi, whose firm advised Barack Obama's successful Hispanic outreach during two presidential campaigns. Why are we using a word that is preferred by only 2% but offends as many as 40% of those voters? Here's something people don't seem to understand. While the English language does not do this, most languages in Europe have male and female word choices. So, for example, you have L or 
un in Spanish for masculine words and la or una for feminine words. In in French, I grew up speaking French, you have le for male and la for female. And l apostrophe if they begin with a vowel. And you got to know the difference between them because it's proper grammar. And in no case, particularly in Spanish, does a word end in X. It's pronounced X. Latin X. It doesn't doesn't work. Words in Spanish do not end in X. So a bunch of white academics have come up with a word that cannot actually be pronounced in Spanish to describe Spanish speakers, most of whom actually prefer Hispanic. Now, the reason that these academics don't like to use the word Hispanic, which is my default, because most of my Hispanic friends call themselves Hispanic, unless they're from California, then they actually do Latino, and there's a reason there I'll get to. It's because of colonialism. You see, if you say Hispanic, if you say Hispanic, it reminds people of the Spanish conquests and allegedly allegedly has ties to the island of Hispaniola. So we go with Latin America, uh, which should also remind people with Latino of, of the Hispanic conquest or the, the well, I guess the Roman conquest of Central and South America. I guess the Roman soldiers, that, that, that missing legion actually made it to South America. The whole thing is absurd. Call people what they want to be called. That, that used to be a rule in politics. It would get you in trouble sometimes because you called somebody something that they did that that your base didn't like for you to call the other side, but that's what they called themselves. Otherwise, people had no idea what you were talking about. To call a Latino or a Hispanic voter a Latinx voter may make you feel good in your academic coffee break, but it doesn't actually do good with voters, and it's starting demonstrably to have an impact on votes. See, here's the reality. The Hispanic vote in the United States is still up for grabs. It still is. They are the ultimate swing vote right now. But the Democrats need to understand that Hispanic voters are some of the most culturally conservative voters in the United States. And when you call them a made-up word that only white people on the left like to use, it begins to offend them. When you start pushing abortion for all and attack the Catholic Church and its charities and sue the nuns, it offends them. When you make it harder for them to get a job and make it easier for someone to come here illegally when they took the time to come here legally, it offends them. More and more of the Democratic Party's whole base of operations is offensive to Hispanic voters. They don't even get it. They don't even understand it. They don't even relate to it. They're out to lunch on this. Which again, raises the issue. Why are Republicans fighting each other over last year's election when it is so ripe for opportunity to pick off key portions of the Democratic base? People who did not vote necessarily for Donald Trump or began to and didn't actually move forward it is possible to pick off these voters, but you got to get over yourselves and your grievances for the past. Democratic voters 
increasingly are rich white Karens. And the black and Hispanic voters who have long been a key part of the Democratic coalition are starting to get tired of the rich white Karens who despise the values of a culturally religious people. The Republicans, if they keep squ- stop squabbling about 2020 stolen elections and nursing Donald Trump's vendettas against people like Brian Kemp in Georgia and elsewhere around the country, other candidates, they could actually be spending their time picking up these voters. Both sides tend to like to make decisions that hurt themselves. Never underestimate either party's ability to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. And Republicans right now seem intent on snatching a lot of defeats from the jaws of victory on this stuff as the Democratic Party begins to crack up over stupid words like Latinx and and phrases like pregnant people instead of pregnant women. My gosh, my daughter on Friday noticed that the CDC, she was pulling up symptoms of flu and the like and uh, transmission of flu and noticed that the CDC website had changed the phrase pregnant women all over its website to pregnant people, and it offended my daughter. Good luck advancing that agenda, Democrats. But you know, hey, it's like the Democrats are starting to openly say today after the David Perdue announcement in Georgia, they're actually hoping one of the things that saves them in 2022 is the Republicans slaughtering each other in the primaries so that they're too divided and mad at each other to even try to win In November, it's a very real concern that you should have too. One of the concerns you should not have is Patriot Mobile, whether or not you can get good coverage with them. My gosh, can you get good coverage with Patriot Mobile? Go to their website. They got a whole very detailed map. You can zoom into your house and see just how strong the coverage is going to be. You can get 5G, you can get data, you can get voice, and you can get free activation with my name. Not only that, but the profits. From Patriot Mobile, go to support the pro-life cause, the Second Amendment cause, all of the causes you care about. What you do is go to PatriotMobile.com slash Eric. That's PatriotMobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K, and you sign up or call them. They have 100% U.S.-based customer service. You can call Patriot Mobile at 972-PATRIOT. Tell them I sent you. Not only do you get free activation if you're a veteran, a first responder, an NRA member, a teacher, got a large family, and you want multiple lines, you get great discounts. Just talk to them about who you are where you are in life, they may have a discount for you too in addition to the free activation with my name. Go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric today. Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. A word, if you will, on Bob Dole. He died yesterday, he had lung cancer. He was 98 years old and I... I, I had the opportunity, I guess, just in passing. I didn't really know Bob Dole. He certainly didn't really know me. I met him in passing uh, before. He was a very funny guy. I I knew Jack Kemp a little bit because when I was a, a kid, Jack Kemp and Bob Dole, they were running for president and vice president. I got to drive in the motorcade for Jack Kemp as he was coming through middle Georgia. Uh, Bob Dole, they don't really make them like they used to make them. He, in World War II was a second lieutenant in the 10th Mountain Division of the United States Army in Italy. He got hit by a German shell, uh, was severely wounded, left on the battlefield for dead, did not die, Uh, came home and was treated, frankly, as a cripple. He had been an an all-star athlete, was treated as a cripple, as an invalid, uh, but got use of his left arm, uh, was somewhat incapacitated with the use of his right arm. 
His left was numb, but he could use it. Uh, Got himself elected to the Kansas State Legislature and then to the House Representatives, the U.S. House Representatives, and built himself a reputation for being a hard worker. Eventually got himself elected to the United States Senate from Kansas. He was both minority leader of the Senate and majority leader of the Senate. In 1976, he ran as as Gerald Ford's vice presidential candidate against Jimmy Carter. They lost. He stayed in the Senate. In 1980, he ran for the Republican nomination, lost to Ronald Reagan. 1988, he ran for the Republican nomination and lost to George H.W. Bush. And then it was his time in 1996, he got the nomination and lost to Bill Clinton. He was instrumental in helping pass the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act. Uh, Lyndon Johnson could not rely on the Democrats for votes. They relied on um, the Republicans to help pass them. The, the man was just walking history, a World War II legend and then a political legend in the United States. His wife, Elizabeth, of course, served as uh, the transportation secretary for Ronald Reagan. Uh, for years, you know the third little brake light that's elevated on the back of your car was called the Liddy Light. Uh, her nickname was Liddy Dole, and so that little bra- that third brake was called brake light was called the Liddy Light. Uh, she championed it as Secretary of Transportation. Now every car has to have them. She was then the Labor Secretary for George H. W. Bush before becoming a U.S. Senator from North Carolina, and uh, she announced yesterday that uh, Bob Dole had died. At 98, Uh, there will come a time when we remember and value other elected officials for sure. But we're also losing more and more those men who rose up to fight the Nazis and the Japanese in World War II, but for whom we would not still have a country. And they came home with profound political differences, but had faced real evil and so did not choose to see each other as evil. And we now live in a day and age where if we disagree politically, we're likely to consider the other side evil. There there are some people on the other side who actually are evil, but not as many as so many people would claim. Uh, Bob Dole saw evil on the battlefield, and now he's gone. So God bless him and his family. Uh, Bob Dole, former Senate Majority Leader, Republican nominee for president in 1996. When we come back, uh, one of his colleagues in the United States Senate got to do what Bob Dole never did, serve as president of the United States, Joe Biden. And now Biden's press coverage has gotten negative and people are wondering, members of the media are wondering, why did it get so negative? Maybe because people were falling off planes in Kabul? Maybe, just a thought. And you thought these last two years were crazy. Welcome to 2022. It's coming up and nothing makes sense still, especially in business. If you're a small business owner, good luck getting financing from a big bank right now. I can offer you a fantastic solution. If you're looking for $750,000 or more in financing for your business, First Liberty Building and Loan. Let's say you want to buy a new building or you want to refi existing debt or you want to buy a company. Basically, you see opportunity for your business to grow, but you've hit a wall with the mega banks getting financing. That's where First Liberty Building and Loan and my friends, the Frost family, come in. They solve small business financing problems better than anyone I've ever seen. They say yes, where big banks say no. It's that simple. Look, just do this. Spend 10 minutes with them. 
Call them, First Liberty Building and Loan. Say Eric sent you. In 10 minutes, you'll know if you're a good fit for their program. Go to firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. They help small businesses nationwide in all 50 states. Firstlibertyga.com. 